All right, guys, welcome back to Surviving Hollywood. I'm Johnny Ray Diaz. I am Aaron Arnold. My name is Austin Arnold. And we just sat down with uh, writer, director, Gino McCoy, uh, who is currently promoting his first feature film, Lumina. Um, it's a sci-fi film that was shot entirely in Morocco. And uh, we had the pleasure of sitting down with him from Morocco. Actually, he's in, he was in Morocco while we did the interview, which we didn't know he was going to be there. Uh, doing VFX on it, which is really cool. He took time out of his day to sit down with us. Um, you know, the dude was just, he was a cool guy, total movie fan. We geeked out on Ridley Scott, a bunch of different things. Um, I could tell this guy's going places. what you guys think? Well, let me ask you both this. What would you rather do? Uh, produce and direct a great movie that you're really passionate about or meet the love of your life? That's true. I wouldn't want point. to be able to choose. I would want them both. <laughs> Johnny? I'd want them both. And did he maybe get both? Boom. You guys saw it. Yeah, we, he met the love of his life. It's now his fiance on set. At the very end of this episode, we'll get to meet her. Look forward to that. Yeah, but I really like it. was obvious he's a big movie fan. Um, you know, his piece of advice, uh, we were going to ask him, you know, give, give some advice to a new filmmaker. And he really seemed to like you know, have some great advice. He really seemed like a guy who loves making movies. And uh, I'm kind of excited to see his movie, I'll be honest. Yeah, we, uh, um, hopefully he's, well, he said we invited the premiere, apparently, and maybe audience test members for the film. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm down, I'm down for either. I'm holding him to that. Yeah. And then he, he, he really talked a lot about uh, sort of the development hell of trying to make this movie. He really, I would say if I was, a, if I was making this movie, I probably have been like, all right, it's not going to happen, guys, because there's just like one thing after the other. Um, so a testament to him for sticking through it. Um, and I think you guys are really going to like him. What time is it over there? It's like 8 p.m., 8.06, 8.06 p.m. over here. Okay, cool. Yeah, man. I shot, this is actually the, it's actually the first place I shot my first movie and um, completed it in January 2021. And I'm back here now because I'm doing VFX with my VFX supervisor. And um, I also got engaged because my girlfriend's Moroccan. Wow. <laughs> hey, congratulations, man. Wait, when you say first Thank movie, you, you mean you mean uh, Lumina? Yeah, Lumina is my first, my Lumina. first movie as a director. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So, how is everyone? <laughs> See, we were wondering. If Great to be on the interview. Thank you for having me on this. By yeah, the way, yeah, we yeah, were, man. Thanks we were, for thanks for joining us. We were thinking the reason that you chose Morocco was because because um, you filmed it last year because of like COVID regulations in Los Angeles to get out of the country, but you chose it because the love of your life is there. No, actually, I met her on set. She was my assistant. Actually. Oh man! All right, dude. So the movie, <laughs> the movie brought you so many things, man. Not only like joy from making the funny movie, but joy in life. Actually, yeah, she's an assistant director because she works in the Moroccan film industry. So she's worked on Homeland and mm. you know Jack Ryan, a lot of big TV series. She's an assistant director. She's a second 
in the third AD. And she assisted me on there. We, we were just friends, you know what I mean? But we spent like, you know, four months together, like 14 hour days together all the time. Yeah. And afterwards, like, you know, developed into something. So, you know, we, we got to know each other really well because, you know, when you're having, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner with someone. For sure. And then off days you're seeing them and then she's assisting and stuff like that. And she's getting to know your family and stuff. So it's like, yeah, it was, I don't know, something happened, a spark happened. And we decided like, you know, yeah, we, we started dating. And then, you know, for a little bit, because I spent extra two months in Morocco and then I left and then we kept on talking and then we decided to get engaged. So I'm back here now. That's, that's so cool, man. And I, and I feel like you're totally right because when you're, when you're on set, you're working 15 hour days I mean, you see somebody at their worst at that point. You know what I mean? It's like, you've been on set all day. I'm exhausted. This is as bad as it's going to get. So you already know. So good for you, man. Congratulations. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate that, man. And thank you for for joining us from another country. I think this might be a first, right, guys? We've had somebody. From France. We've had France. Oh, that's right. We had somebody from France. Wow. Cool. Um, I'm I'm originally from Toronto, Canada, but I moved to LA, though. Okay. Awesome. Man. Nice shirt, by the way. I see Bitcoin on there. Oh, <laughs> you're a Bitcoiner. Well, I was the first person in Hollywood to write about the deep web and the Bitcoin eight years ago. So you got in early. Nice. Yeah. And then and then House of Cards, one of the guys from House of Cards read my script and then he put it in, in um, season two, episode two and said he was the first person to write about it. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, I was the first person to write about it in Hollywood. And that was circulated throughout all the agencies and everything else like that. And I wrote a script about it, LMI, that, you know, had some really big name actors attached to it at that point. And then it went into development hell. Mm. And that's what delayed the project. And then House of Cards came out with season two, episode two, and they talked about Bitcoin and Deep Web. And I'm like, I already wrote about that like two, three years before that. So mm. I was actually one of the first to write about Bitcoin. Are you still, <laughs> are you still a Bitcoin holder? Um, no, actually not. Hey, it's a dip. Now's the time to Yeah, I'm 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 getting more I'm getting more into um natural resources. Okay. Water, mm. um land and stuff like agricultural land and stuff like that, because that's gonna be a resource that's gonna be very, very valuable in the future. So ex- explain that for a second. Uh like what do you mean exactly that you're getting into natural resources? Obviously I know what those are, but like what does that mean exactly? Like like water, like you know, you mean um, like, like fresh water, agri- like farmable land, agricultural land, and stuff like that. Are you it's talking about be- creating like farmable, like farmable land? Is that yes, what you're talking yes, about? Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay. Renewable energy, alternative energy that doesn't involve fossil fuels and stuff like that. I'm starting to get into more of that. So because that's going to become very valuable mm. because the scarcity of it, you know, the fact of the deforestation and like everything else and the ecological effect that. Uh, we're having basically you know, sure. as, as a human race on agricultural land and being able to be self-sustainable with food and water and everything else. Those are two very big resources that um, I'm, I've been getting into. So I was into Bitcoin for a good bit. And then I decided, you know, okay, I'm just going to jump into that because I, I've been doing my research because that's something that's, mm. you know, in the future is going to be very scarce. Right. The scarcity of it. And And not to sidetrack, but you're right. I mean, I mean, that's a whole different conversation, but I mean, we're basically destroying the world. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, we can go into like animal agriculture and all these other things, but you know, that's, that's really cool that you're, that you're looking into doing that and you're, 
um, putting your energy toward that. Cause I think that's something that's beneficial, not only for yourself, but like literally we need this, you know? So that's really cool. Yeah. It was something that I felt that, um, you know, looking ahead, that would be, you know, something that we needed, you know, I need, I need, and people that I've been speaking to as well felt that the scarcity of it was going to create such a demand that it's going to become such a valuable resource. Mm. That's what's going on in this world, ecologically speaking, environmentally speaking. Right. And, and speaking of scarcity, because I want to bring it back to your movie, there's only one. This is your first one. So just for the folks at home, could you give a brief synopsis of what this movie is? Um, it's about like a young, young playboy who loses the love of his life and she disappears in a flash of light. She's abducted by aliens and his friends get woven into his, you know, the, the whole conspiracy theories and the whole rabbit hole of, you know, extraterrestrials and everything else. And they go in search of her and they end up in a lot of trouble by doing that. And I think it takes them down. It takes them down a road that basically they have no control over, and, and they end up getting themselves in a lot of trouble. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> it's an ensemble. It's an ensemble piece. But you know, the movie itself has elements of, of course, it's sci-fi because I love sci-fi. You know, from when I was like three years old, I was watching like Star Wars and, you know, reading the books when I was like three and a half, four years old. And you know, sci-fi is my genre. But also it has romance in it because there's an underlying love story because he's chasing after his love. And then you got you got romance, you got sci-fi, you got action in it, of course, and a bit of horror. Because, you know, I'm a big Predator fan. Mm. And I grew up, you know, watching Predator's one of my favorite sci-fi movies outside I, of like you no know, Star Wars and everything I, else. I, I love that movie. You know? Yeah. Predator, Predator is so good. Week, yeah, and I spent a weekend with John McTurnan. Mm. He was a comparing- director. Comparing Schwarzenegger to like some of his other movies, like I weirdly love that movie as one of his best ones. I don't know. And you know why? I'll tell you why I love that movie. He had very little dialogue. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Although I love. Really, it was like he did. Yeah, he did. Action. It was just hiding. Yeah, yeah, hiding. You know, trying to like. Yeah, that's true. It's a chase movie. It's really a chase movie with like very little dialogue. It was almost like it's almost like it's almost like you know someone said to me he's like what's one of your favorite chase movies of all time i'm like apocalypto Mm. hands down dude that movie is so underrated i feel like that movie is so such an underrated movie and i'm like like, what's your one of your favorite and i'm like i loved how mel gibson executed the chase movie yeah and it was a chase movie yeah you're right what it was it really was i never thought of it like that but you're right it is you know, and I'm, yeah. I loved the fact that very little dialogue and it was like such a powerful movie. Yeah. You know, and it was like Apocalypto. Yeah. Just like, just like Predator. Right. Predator had very little dialogue in it, but it was a chase movie. It was a hiding. Like he's hiding. He's, and, and, you know, the Predator seeking him basically. And, you know, it was, when I spoke and I sat with John McTurney, I spent a weekend with him because he loved my first script I was talking to you about that had the Bitcoin and deep web in it. Mm. And he wanted to, and he wanted to direct the movie. We sat down and, I, and we went through the process with him and like, you know, I was talking to him and had a really good conversation with him, man. You know, it was a tough movie to direct because my my friend who was who was also in Creature Effects, um, Todd Masters, he, he built the Predator suit for that movie. And 
Jean-Claude Van Damme was supposed to be the predator. Wow. And Jean-Claude, <laughs> the story, this is a true story. And that that seems so weird. <laughs> so Jean-Claude came off of Kickboxer. And they were yeah. like, who's this Belgium guy coming off of Kickboxer that's blowing up? Yeah. And he went on set. He tried on the suit. He couldn't kick with the suit. And then he walked off. <laughs> he couldn't so do Jean the splits Claude in the suit. Up. So he's like, I'm done. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys. I can't do my, so he, I can't do my move. Yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> so Todd is telling me this entire story. So he walked off. And Todd and the rest of the team, the production team on Predator with John McTernan was trying to replace this guy. And they replaced the guy. And the stunt actor that they replaced him with couldn't fit into the suit. Mm. So that's why they made all those adjustments to the Predator suit. Wow. So it was really built for someone who was Jean-Claude and they got a bigger, taller guy that couldn't fit into the suit. Which I think works because, you know, Arnold is a big dude and I feel like Jean-Claude's like kind of short and small. And I feel like that wouldn't Yeah, he really, is. That wouldn't really have yeah, but there, looked, you know, right? you know, movie magic, right? You're going to yeah, shoot. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess that's, that's true. But yeah, the Predator not really doing really just kind of like chasing the whole time, I think is what made it so compelling. So I think you're right, man. That's, that's fascinating. And, and, the, fa and the fact that the Predator hardly shows up anymore. Right, right. Yeah. So good, the way man. how they edited it and the way how John, way how John, when he was telling me he shot it, was like, you know, he was trying to maximize, like, you know, the mystery and the, and the horror in it and stuff like mm. that. And, you know, the element of surprise. Is that what you, know, you not having to put it in too much. Say again? Is that, uh, was an influence on your movie, the um, hiding the, the predator and like making Yes, it definitely, definitely. I, my, my alien doesn't come, my creature doesn't really come out till like third act, very mm. end of the third act. You know, it's building up to that. You know, so I, I love that <laughs> because, you know, you don't want to reveal the alien too quick because for me, what I, what I love about, what I love about what I did with my movie was, you actually get really invested into the characters. Mm. And, you know, the characters, like, you really, really get invested into the characters and the storyline of what they're about and everything else. And you really get invested into that. And then it's kind of like, you know, you, you end up, you end up really loving what they're about and you get attached to them. So I was, you know, something that I wanted to do was try to build on those characters and try to, get everyone really invested in those characters and when they love those guys and like when they die or if they die <laughs> you know you're, you're going to be so attached to those characters you know what I mean so for mm. me it was kind of like the real thing was you know when you when you get into that you know element of like you know underground military bases the military and all that other stuff you get to that point and you're like you face that creature and then you're like you know you're staring down those creature eyes and you're looking at them and everything else and like it's really terrifying to the people because now you know, you're rooting for these guys because you become so invested in these characters. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's something It's something for me. That's why I wanted to build up the first part of it. And the third act was kind of like, that's what people really love about it. The people that saw like the director's cut, right? So mm. it was something for me that, um, you know, I thought, um, I, I got. I probably took a page out of John because, you know, I spent time with John. And I love his movies and stuff. Right? But, you know, also, also, you know, I took, I, took, I got a lot of influence by Ridley Scott. You know, with the whole Alien franchise and everything else. And I right. think that for me, um, as a director, you know, um, looking at other directors that you love and seeing their process and seeing how they go about their approach, I think is very important and mm. is vital. 
you know, to the whole filmmaking process because, you know, you, you, end, you learn what they're doing. You know, you, you come to terms with like, you learn what they're doing and then you're seeing exactly, you know, how they go about doing it. And then you, you try to be like, well, you know what? I love what they did here. Let me try to do this. And that's what I was going to ask Let's you. Let's try to improve uh, on it. I was going to ask you what your inspiration was for this, telling this story of your movie, but it sounds like a lot of it was other directors and other alien films. Is that kind of what it was? Or what, what inspired you to tell this specific story that you have? Um. I wanted to see someone, I wanted to see um, people's psychological effect on, oh, they're, like how they're psychologically affected by a loved one or someone close to them being abducted by aliens. Mm. That phenomenon. So basically it's like, you know, we've seen someone getting kidnapped. You know, or people have experienced someone getting kidnapped right? They've experienced, you know, losing a child, you know, they're experienced losing a loved one, either through death or some, some other means, or they're just walking away, you know, but seeing the human condition and seeing like, you know, experiencing psychologically, how would you feel if this person disappeared? If this person was abducted, you know, what would, how would you feel about you know, because there is people like, you know, with MUFON, because I had a lot of interviews with MUFON and talked to them and they're like the alien network and they have a bunch of ex-military guys and people that have experienced abductions and extraterrestrial phenomena. You know, I spoke to a Marine one time and he was with a platoon of 12 guys and they experienced a spacecraft. And, you know, since from, from that moment, he's been visited a number of times and had dreams and, and had really surreal experiences with extraterrestrials. Right, and these people are normal people, no mental conditions, they're not mentally ill, no PTSD. The normal people are normalized, but they've experienced this, right? So, you can't really discredit and like not listen right. to what they have to say. So, I said, okay, this with Lumina, I want to see how a boyfriend, how friends of that particular person, how they experience this abduction, you know, and like what happens with that person when they experience this abduction and you know how they feel like the depression are they sad like you know psychological cool cool and how to cut out yeah gino you're still with us right yeah yes i'm with you guys yeah okay. you see me yeah, yeah we kind yeah, of lost yeah. a little bit of it but yeah and, and speaking of yeah, that's, that that's Oh, go on, please. I think he just froze. Yeah. Hello? Yeah. There you are. We hear you. Okay. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. It's, it's okay. Yeah. Go, go ahead, Austin. Well, I, I was just going to say, and speaking on the location specifically, how challenging was it to film your first feature film entirely in Morocco? Um, I initially had thought about doing it in Tunisia. Hmm. And then I had Malta. Okay. Now, the only problem was in Malta was there is no desert as such. So it was, it was a problem for us getting those type of locations, like a deep underground military base, and like it didn't fit with my screenplay well. Then we decided Tunisia, but Tunisia did not have any stages. The size of the sound stages that we needed, you know, that Morocco had. And Morocco has a very deep and rich history of filmmaking. 
So we decided to, to shoot it in Morocco. So I think because of their rich history, not only, and also the, the variety of locations from desert to, you know, oceans to everything else, to the fact that I got a villa that basically looks like if you're in California, so it could double for California, it could mm. double for Los Angeles. Nice. The climate is very similar to Los Angeles. And, and the crews have shot very big movies here. So they're very experienced. Like, it's, like, like I told you guys, my fiance was on a number of TV series and stuff like that. And it's a very experienced crew. So um, I think um, what, 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 what compelled me to shoot here is because I have such a rich history of, of, of cinema, of like, you know, of, of shooting movies. Ridley Scott shot here, Scorsese shot here. And I think, you know, the film crews are excellent. They're on par with the film crews on Los Angeles. So for me, it was something that I felt, you know, would really be, I would have the capabilities in order to do this movie. And it created a really great opportunity for me to, to shoot outside of Los Angeles. Like, um, that because, you know, at that time, you know, my friends were working on movies in Hollywood. And my friend was working on Will Smith's movie. He was one of the DPs on it. And he got shut down. Mm. My other friend, Gabrielle, my other friend, my other friend Gabrielle Berestein, who shot Black Widow, um, like Black Widow's release got stopped, and I had a bunch yeah. of other friends in Los Angeles that got shut down because they couldn't shoot anything. Yeah. So for me, it was like you know, we came to Morocco, we shot the movie, and I, I just really enjoyed my time. And you know, the crews were great, the filming locations were great, you know, everything was really good, like the extras, everything else. And I thought that I had a really excellent team, and you know, as I told you, I, I met my fiance. <laughs> that's that's the biggest yeah. plus right there you know what i mean like not you finish your movie <laughs> and you meet the lovely man i mean that's that's cool yeah i wasn't expecting that that wasn't even you know you never expect that right because you come from la and you're like you know i yeah. had i had like i had like recently like broken up with my ex-girlfriend and left uh, okay you know and stuff yeah. like that and i came over here and i was just constantly on shooting my movie right you know and interestingly enough um it's the first ever sci-fi film to be shot in its entirety in Moroccan cinema history. Mm. And the only sci-fi sets to be built and the largest sci-fi sets to be built in Moroccan cinema history. That's really so we cool. created a history with that. I didn't even know that until like, you know, the art directors and everyone else told me that. Mm. So I thought it was really, really interesting, you know, that we, yeah. we got to do that and everything else. And I felt, um, you know, really blessed to be able to be in that position. Right. So I'd, l I'd love to hear, um, because this is your first feature, and I think you know some one of the most challenging things is actually a lot of people write a movie, but then they're like, how do I even go about making it? I need money, right? So for your first feature film, what was the process for you like from going from you know development and all of a sudden you're getting it greenlit and you're getting funding and all that kind of stuff? What was that like? Well, for like so so the whole thing was, um, you know, I I wrote I, I went to my uncle's house in Florida. I had just, you know, you know, went through like pure development hell on, on LMI, my bigger feature where I had a lot of alias actors attached. Mm. And, and my, my lead at that point in time, I gotten pregnant and then the whole project got delayed. And then I went to Florida and I was kind of like, you know, a little depressed by the movie not going and stuff like that at that point in time. And then I wrote it in seven days. And then wow. for the next okay. year and a half, I started really developing the movie and everything else. And, you know, it was, it got to a point where, you know, my mom was a, a director of the bank in Canada and stuff like that. And she had a lot of friends that are investors and 
she dealt in that, that world of investments and finance and she got people to, she got her good friend, our friend David Seychelles, who was also a producer on the movie to come on board and finance the movie and stuff like that and do financing for a slate of films that we're working on right now. Mm. And um, yeah, it was, it was tough. I mean, going through that process, you know, as an indie filmmaker, right? Yeah. Like it's not easy to get financing for a movie. It's not easy to, you know, you know, get to this stage where you're like developing your film and, and, and like, you know, getting, getting financing, getting cast attached. It's something very, very difficult as you know. And everyone knows that in LA because, you know, we go through the whole process. We go through the whole ring and stuff. And, you know, the funny thing is that our story is such a unique story because, you know, my friend David, who's also produced on the project and is my mom's good friend for like 25 years, who's one of the investors who came on board to help my mom finance this film and finance the Slater films that we're doing. Um, he, um, before he came out, like he was flying up because he flies his own prop planes. He's flying out to see us in LA before we came out to Morocco to shoot the movie. And upon takeoff in Colorado, his plane crashed. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. And he, he jumped out of his plane. A third of his body was burnt. He escaped with his life. He almost died. And it was like wow. crazy. That's so like, insane. You know, you almost, yeah. So he, they airlifted him to like, you know, the University of Colorado hospital and stuff. And, um, he was there and, you know, he, he, he recovered. We were with him for like two weeks and yeah, it was just crazy. And after that, we, we, we went to Morocco and my DP, because we delayed, he dropped off the day before I was supposed to go to Morocco. <laughs> so I went to Morocco without a DP. I went with my production designer and my 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 lead accountant and like yeah. you know our executive assistant, my myself, my mom, my dad. My dad's also produced on the project. David flew back to Canada because he was in the hospital there because you know they took him private jet back to Toronto to recuperate because he had to recover because of the burns. Right. A third of his body was burnt, right? So, oh man, that's crazy. And we went into production without a DP. I was in pre-production. Were you just hoping to find somebody down there? Yeah, but then I, I realized I got a call from an agent, you know, in, in London who we knew. And she represented Larry Smith. And Larry came on board. And Larry, as you know, is famously famous for working with Stanley Kubrick. Okay, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, so Larry worked with Stanley Kubrick a number of times. And so Larry came on board. And then, you know, we, we met up with a production company here in Morocco. And the production company was unscrupulous. <laughs> so <laughs> we ended up So it actually ended to... up working out better. No, it was an unscrupulous production uh, company. Oh, I got you. So they were underhanded. They were really underhanded. And, you know, we ended up losing money and our project got delayed by like seven, eight weeks during COVID, during testing. And they... Now, were all the actors there waiting... Were all the actors there waiting? While the time? actors, while the actors were here, so I'm gonna tell you the whole story. Yeah. So it's like they were very unscrupulous. They ended up trying to take money and trying to rip us off, basically, you know, by doing a bunch of things that were like, you know, totally illegal in, the, in film production. And we had to basically come out of that contract. And in Morocco, once you sign with a producer. That producer actually has to say that he's signing off, that he's not going to work with you in order for you to engage another producer. Mm. That's part of the CCM. That's part of the cinematography uh, Moroccan, like, Morocco. you know, law. 
okay. you know, for the film for the film society here in Morocco. Yeah. So we actually had to pay him to leave the project. Wow. You know, and stuff like that. And, yeah, and our actors at that point in time, the actors I had attached, uh, end up, ended up walking off the project during two to three weeks of production. So I lost all my actors. Man. You know, and we had escrowed all the money. We paid them. And then we realized that they used that just to try to take money and walk away without performing. And my casting director, Valerie McCaffrey, who used to be the head of casting for Warner Brothers and Universal, she was very upset. My attorneys were very upset because he used to be the head of legal from, for New Line. First mm -hmm. time they've ever seen that in history. In their history of working in the film industry, all the actors walked off and tried to take our money. Damn. Try to sabotage the project. And we realized one of the actors was really jealous of the fact that I was directing and that. And he wanted to come on as a producer and talking to my lead accountant. And then basically, you know, we, we didn't entertain that idea. So we ended up doing like a coup. So it was kind of like, you know, wildcat oh, he, strike. strike you got, you got everyone together. Yeah. That's got, that's wild, and, man. And, that's and they blamed it on COVID. And the funny thing is what we had all the protocol in place and they blamed it on COVID, which, which we went to SAG and then, you know, we told SAG and we proved to SAG that everything was fine and all that stuff. But SAG still sided with that unscrupulous actor. Mm. And I had to recast the entire movie in a week and a half. Holy shit, dude. And bring uh, on new producers. Uh, we lost them. So I had to bring on producers within two weeks of all of that happening. Are you guys hearing me right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah I can hear you now. Yeah, you cut off for, for a second, but we heard you. And, yeah, yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, signal sometimes goes in and out. I mean, you're, you're so in rock, bring, so, so it's okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so and no, then we went in, went into production, and it went into production, and you know we decided to shoot through the Christmas. So Larry and my entire camera team from the UK went back for vacation, of course, and they were coming back on January second after like New Year's and after Christmas and stuff. And then the second strain happened <laughs> in the UK, so it, they got banned yeah. from coming back to Morocco. And I lost my entire camera team from the UK. <laughs> first AC, everybody. Like, I mean, like, you know, first I mean, AC. How, how, did you, AC. how did you keep it together? Were you kind of like, you know what? This movie's just not going to happen. Let's just, let's move on. Was that thinking that? Yeah. No, you, you know, part of me was thinking that sometimes, but thank God that didn't happen. Yeah. You know, so I was like, I was like, yo, you know, honestly speaking, I'm like, God is with me because I'm a believer. And I'm like, you know what? I I can't give up fate, man, because I've come this far. I've, I've I've gone through, you know, I've survived Hollywood basically with people stealing my IP, you know, discrimination, all this mm. stuff. You know what I mean? And, yeah. You know, to get to this point to do my first movie, you know, it, it's the worst feeling when you're. And I'll tell you this: if you can get over seeing your content on the screen, making over a hundred million dollars, and it's your stuff that they stole in Hollywood. You could definitely get over stuff like this. <laughs> Interesting. I don't think that's a bigger punch to the gut seeing your content on screen and you knowing you wrote and you knew you wrote that. Yeah, someone and your attorneys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And your crazy. attorneys are telling you. Yeah, and your attorneys are telling you. You know, if you sue these people, you're going to get blacklisted in the industry. So it's kind of yeah. like you know that if you can get over that, I think you can get over this. Yeah. So it's kind of like you know we, we got put through it was like it was like a baptism of fire, but yeah. and I was like. No, we, sh we, we end up, sh and then we're like, okay, so now I got to replace my DP. So luckily enough, 
my friend Gabrielle Berestein, who's a DP on Black Widow right now for Marvel, that's coming out, you know, soon. Yeah. Um, I think it probably even came out. I don't know. I, I'm in Morocco right now, so I don't I, know what's I, I don't, coming up. I don't think it's out yet. No. Yeah. So, so Gabrielle talked to me. He's like, "Yo, I'm shooting a project with Ron Perlman. I can't mm-hmm. come out to Morocco. I would love to, because a very good friend of mine." He's like, I'm sending my friend Rachel Gallego. She works at Marvel. She's a female DP that's really up and coming. She came over. She was shooting throughout the entire Christmas. And then she had to end up basically finishing the movie because Larry could not come back. Because mm. all UK travelers were banned yeah. from coming to Morocco or anywhere else in Europe because the second strain of COVID happened. Right. Talk then about I got food poisoning. And then, and then <laughs> on top of that, when our first cast had left, I had food poisoning for 12 days. Jeez, dude. Okay. So yeah. it was like one thing to the next, and I was like, "Wow, it can't get any worse than this, brother." But it turned out to be the be- <laughs> it turned out to be the best movie you ever made, though, right? Yeah, right? it was. There like, we go. You beat the you odds. Know, it was like it was like you know everyone that watches the end, and then I shot the movie. I finished. I stayed for a little bit. I went back to LA and stuff like that. Then I decided I'm coming back, of course, because you know we got I got engaged to my my, my girlfriend, my now fiance, and. um you know, it was, you know, truly a blessing. You know what I mean? And um, for me, it was kind of like in the in the director's cut. My, my friend Tom Noble, who's an Academy Award winner, who did Red, who did Witness. You know, he cut a lot of big films. He's mm-hmm. my editor on this film. Mm-hmm. Um, we went in the cutting room thinking we're going to do eight weeks of the director's cut. Um, the director's cut was finished in six days. Wow. Whoa. So he had a editor's rough cut finished in about a week and a half after because he was cutting doing, while I was shooting during, mm-hmm. during production, during personal okay. photography. Yeah. And I came back, we went into Technicolor, we in the editorial suites in Hollywood and Technicolor, off of Seward. I know you guys probably know where that is. Yeah, but yeah definitely. And, yeah, and I was there and we cut for six days. And on, on the third day, we finished like 80 something minutes. And Tom was like, this is unheard of. He's like, I've cut films for over 30 years or more, you know, and I've wow. never seen anything like this. Mm. We cut the film in six days. At the ending of six days, he told me, he's like, gee, this is what, he's like, you're, you're exactly like Ridley Scott in cutting. Mm. I'm like, wow, I was so humble by that. And you know, I'm like, what? Because, you know, he worked with Ridley. You know, that's, a great, that's, a, that's a great comparison, man. Yeah, because he was the editor on Thelma, Thelma and Louise. Right? Thelma and Louise, so, yeah. Um, yeah. So he was like, he's like, I, I cut just like Ridley. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, and I was humble about it. He's like, well, Ridley remembers every shot, every take, every scene, everything that happens. Mm-hmm. He's like, you're exactly the same. Because I can tell you what happens in that scene. I can tell you what scene it is. I can tell you what's take. That's how I am. Mm-hmm. He's like, Ridley's the exact, exactly the same. Mm-hmm. You know, so... I, I was like, wow, you know, what I mean, that was a great compliment to me because that's one of the guys I grew up basically loving and, and you know, admiring as a director, you know. So outside of George Lucas, of course, we like Star Wars and everything else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, we did that. And now I'm doing post VFX. I'm doing sound, and you know, we're going to be doing uh, you know the audience testing. I'm going to do I'm going to do some you know screenings for like the studios and stuff. We're going to we're going to see who picks it up. Could be Netflix. Could be anybody. So. That's what, I was gonna ask, that's what I was going to ask you next is, uh, you know, possible release day. It sounds like you're still kind of working out distribution and all that kind of stuff. Fall right? 2021. I think fall of this year, brother. I okay. think so. Fall or winter. Uh, that's I not, think not that's, that far that's, away. That's like a, 
Yeah, I know because like we're almost we're almost done VFX, and you know, my score is almost complete, and like you know, you know, sound is gonna take about five to six weeks, and then after that we're good. Mm. So I want to do my my color grading and do my fine cut, and ready and, to go. Uh, and let me ask you this: in our final few minutes of the podcast, this is like a question mm. we like to just ask. I get perspective from many different filmmakers that come on the podcast. If you could give yourself, your younger self, when you're first starting filmmaking, a piece of advice, what would you say? Research everything. Research everything. Research cinematography, research directing, research the entire process on the film set, research the business side of it in terms of distribution, research post-production. Like, mm. like research everything to death. Know exactly what every facet of the industry every facet of making a film and every department is doing. Because when you know that, you know exactly how to cut corners, how to do things faster, efficiency. Like, you know, with me, I shot with three cameras in this film, right? So like, you know, I was getting different takes, different, like, you know, shooting a butterfly sometimes. And we're like, you know, getting different reactions of that and everything else. So everything, and that's from me studying and researching everything in the industry. So for me, you've got to know more than the other person in front of you. So if you know more than the other person in front of you, then you're going to do well. Mm-hmm. So that's why you like, you know, for me, it's kind of like research everything to death before you get into it. So you know what's going on, you know exactly what you're doing. And that's going to help you and in, in especially your career in terms of like, you know, directing, filmmaking, because you know it's important that you know everything that you're doing like from every department, because every department is important. Yeah. You know, the camera department is important. Editing, assistant directors, everyone is important. Lighting, grip, everything. So for me, and also the post process and also pre-production and financing and distribution, what yeah. the distributors want, you know, how to get financing, what they look for, you know what I mean? And, and stuff like that. Like what's commercial, what's not commercial, mm. you know, what, what's an art house film? What do you need to do when you're taking that to like, you know, a festival, how to take it to a festival, you know, what to do while you're at a festival, like, you know, right. how to do audience testing, like, you know, and stuff like that, how to pitch it to like investors how to pitch it to people that are distributors and basically what they're looking for you know to make it more to make it more feasible for them that they're actually going to buy into your film so what i say is like you know because i because i went to university of toronto and university of toronto is all research hmm. most of my subjects most of my stuff that i did there basically my courses in uft was all research so for me research everything to death know exactly what you're doing because that's the only way when you go into it you know what i mean you're going to have you're going to be prepared and even then you're not prepared because like, you know, you're gonna come across experiences on set and everything else that you gotta that you gotta deal with, that you gotta, you know, you gotta improvise. Your cast is gonna have a coup. Yeah, your cast may have a coup. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you gotta be you were probably like prepared that, for that. So I was like, I didn't you, learn this you in ne- school. You're never prepared for that. Because yeah. it never happened. Right. You know, it's, it's never happened. Yeah. You know, that's why that's why I know like my publicist is like doing like a big article with that that's gonna be coming out that's gonna talk about that because it's never happened in Hollywood. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I mean I made history there too, but I mean it's not even good history. <laughs> yeah. Like, bad history, but you know what I mean? But I guess that's part of my journey, right? So yeah. I mean, I I gotta thank God for like my good and my bad. You know what I mean? Like the obstacles sure. and like everything that we went through to get to here. But I mean for me, like, I think that's what I would advise to young filmmakers. Just know, know everything about the industry. Research yeah. everything. Don't take anything for granted. And always, always be open. Mm. You know, 
everyone on set is important. Yeah, Without the caterers and everyone else. For sure. Yeah. That's all. That's, that's how you make it. Yeah, because it, it takes it takes a village, right? That's what yeah. you say in LA. Right. You know, so I mean, it takes a village, it takes a community to make a film, and you know, young filmmaker filmmakers need to understand understand that and never take that for granted. Yeah. Anyone on set is important. Everyone is important on set because you need everyone to make this film. That's the only way you're going to get this film to end. You know, I have to thank the Moroccan crew and everyone else that helped me with this. You know, David, my mom, my dad, you know, my fiance who was there for me as well, too. You know, for, for like, you know, coming through and like helping me make this movie. Yeah. So, you know, I would always advise young filmmakers to always be very educated about what you're doing. And to know everything that you're going into in terms of the film industry. So, well, I'm definitely excited to see this movie. So, if you need a, you know, uh, audience, thank you, brother. Test, audience test member, I'm volunteering. Well, yeah. Uh, well, you, you know, know what? You know I'd what? I'd love to see a cut of it. I'm going to send it to you guys. <laughs> I, honestly, I w- I'd love to see it because the movie, you, you've hyped up the movie so much. It sounds really cool. Everything you went through, I mean, to have a finished product, like, that's just that's filmmaking man so i would love an opportunity and, to and see it's like it, you and know? it's like a story it's a story to be told because you know i shot it during the height of covid right and we made it and right so many movies from hollywood got shot down in covid right. and like for us to like start and finish a movie during covid and, and like deliver a hollywood feature independent feature it wasn't even a studio feature you know what yeah. i mean yeah um at that point in time was was an accomplishment i would say yeah. And and Gino, where can our audience stay in tune, keep up with you, keep up with the movie? Okay, yeah, yeah. You can check me on IG, Gino McCoy, G-I-N-O-M-C-K-O-Y. Um, Facebook is the same thing, Gino McCoy. Um, you can also check me on, um, on luminamovie.com, which is our website for the movie. Um, that's basically has a countdown stuff. There's going to be stuff up on there once we distribute the movie and everything else and yeah i'll invite you guys to the premiere man and then let you do i love to be there audience hey one or the other i mean the premiere sounds really fun but i'm also willing to be an audience <laughs> member too so <laughs> yeah I, I, i'll be down for either so yeah <laughs> i'll do some audience testing on both of you so both of you see how see how you guys like the movie hopefully that's fine that's fine hey i'm, I'm up for it man I, I love to watch movies so it'd be good it'd be a treat uh definitely appreciate your time man uh thank you so much thank you no 